Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my friends. Before I begin this week's episode proper, I'd like you to listen to a promo from Two Wee Lambs at the Colour Me Dead True Crime podcast. It's funny, it's fascinating, and it's flipping well-researched. Hello fellow skin suits, this is Angel and Ember. Deep down, do you have a secret passion for true crime, sarcasm, inappropriate jokes, but you still want to hear all those lovely details? However, you still need a little bit of humor to get you through those dark moments? Then come hang out with us over at the Color Me Dead podcast. We try to balance both humor and facts perfectly. We also go on some pretty extraordinary squirrel hunts. (laughs) We can be found on iTunes and all other podcast apps. Come over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and see us at Color Me Dead Podcast for the latest updates and gory chat. We release on Wednesdays because on Wednesdays we wear murder. Don't forget to spay and neuter your pets and and stay stay out of chalk lines. Engage intro voice. Welcome to episode 4 of Mirths and Monsters. I am your host, CK. And this week, I am here to warn you that the following episode contains scenes of gluttony, bad accents, and poor musicianship. This will not affect you too badly, and will continue to strengthen your chuckle muscles. Remember, low use of the chuckle muscles may result in occasional sadness and having a face like a slept butt. So use it wisely, and often. On with the pod. Well hello again my friends. I trust you are well as can be and digging on life like a hyper kid with a shovel. The topic of this week's episode is fascinating and was suggested to me by Amity from the Bone Palace Bally podcast, one you really must listen to if you haven't already. This week we will be discussing Sin Eaters. So a bit of history and information regarding Sin Eaters. Let's say a person or a family who are of a religious faith and the ritual does cover a spectrum of faiths. Let's say that this person or family would like a guaranteed ticket to paradise. No waiting in line, 
no needing to flirt with the dude at the door. If you want this, who you gonna call? No, not who you think. It's Sin Eaters. Before I talk about the ritual itself, a bit more knowledge to drop in your eager log holes. There is a term used for what the Sin Eaters do, and it is called apotropaic magic. This comes from the Greek, apotropaean. It breaks down into apo, which means away, and tropaean, which means to turn. In other words, to turn away harm or evil influences, deflecting misfortune or avoiding the evil eye. Now, to me, this sounds like the equivalent of being faced with evil and dramatically saying, Ho! What is that over there? And if the evil that you are facing is, shall we say, not the sharpest knife in the chest, and falls for your misdirection, that is the time to run away. Another way to think of it is to think of common superstitions that people still do today. How many of you out there touch wood? Or cross your fingers? Well, this kind of magic is of a similar principle. When you touch wood though, could you please touch wood and not your head? The OCD side of me is screaming inwardly. Thank you. That's enough about superstition. Let's get back to religion. So, the ritual of the eating of sin. Now, this sounds a lot cooler than it actually is. I'm not sure what you picture in your head when you think of sin eating, but me, well, I think of a massive beast along the lines of a warthog, low-slung body with terrifying rust-coloured tusks and drool that's thick enough to choke an elk, carousing the land, searching for those who want their sins taken. Just me? Moving on. However, the reality was vastly different. The Sin Eater would not be someone of high standing. In fact, there was a good chance that a Sin Eater would most likely be a beggar and or homeless, and they would be so desperate to eat and have a small financial reward they'd be willing to take on the sins of another human being. So, the ritual. After the Sin Eater gets paid a small amount of money, it's almost a token rather than a fee. It's time for the feast. Now, you would think that when you're taking away someone's sins, you would expect plenty of roasted birds, plenty of meat, lots of sausages, many more fatty, tasty foods that have been banned in most countries under the Geneva Convention for being so indulgent that if you have too many of them, your heart wants to punch you in your greedy face. This, as you smart people will have probably guessed, is not the case. The feast consists of bread and ale. That is some old bread, and that's not even the overpriced bread that you get these days in shops that add on extra money for being artisanal. Nope. Some bread. Some ale. Ale that is probably warm and left over from the previous night when the family had a big party and did some more sinning because, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Now, there are a couple of people I would like to mention at this point. 
I say people, they are technically gods, and are two examples of sin-eaters. This is to give you an idea of just how far back the idea of sin-eating goes. The first example you will probably have heard of. He is called Jesus Christ, aka the Son of God, aka the hippie with a heart, which is, I believe, what the disciples used to call him. Jesus had a very interesting life. There was a book about it. And at the end of it, he died for the sins of everyone when he was crucified, which is a remarkably decent thing to do. The other example you may be less familiar with is from Aztec mythology. The Aztec's timeline is believed to have begun in the 6th century AD, and for those of you who have been following my adventures since the first episode, you know what AD stands for. For those of you who haven't, then check out the previous episodes. You're gonna love them! So, in Aztec mythology, there is a goddess, and now bear with me on this one because it's kinda hard to pronounce, there is a goddess called Lazoltotl. Now, I do not want to get too graphic here, but Lazoltotl was known as the goddess of filth, but also of purification. Basically, picture someone eating something unpleasant, spoiled meat for example, or Vegemite, but then being able to fart rainbows at the end of it. So, when you think of the concept of what sin eating aims to achieve, then these two are definitely high up there on the scoreboard. That's the history side of things, but as we know, the practical side of things is where you get the real juicy stuff. So it's time for the wee man to make his entrance into this week's episode. He's been waiting very patiently. When I say patiently, I mean he's eaten two of my shoes, from different pairs. He's a scamp. However, we are now settled on the bike and the sidecar, which I really think needs a name by the way, so I'm going to have myself a wee competition. The listener who can come up with the best name will win a prize. Anybody can enter, young, old, American, Canadian, Britain, wherever you happen to be listening, all are welcome. I will give details at the end on how to contact me. Anyway, let's get these revs up and hit that magic five miles an hour sweet spot. Here we go! You join us just outside of what looks like a slightly above average home. Well kept, whitewashed walls, no graffiti, couple of chickens roaming in the front Finn, Finn, no, no Finn. He hasn't yet grasped the can't-touch interactor try-not-to-eat-the-chickens part of time travel, which is why I always have treats in my back pocket. So, back to this house. It's in a loose row of only three houses. The other two are to the left as you look, and they're pretty similar, all in all. Gardens are blooming, sun is shining, but it's setting, and all seems to be well. The only difference is that the house that we're stood in front of is definitely alive with the exuberances of life. I walk toward one of the windows with Wee Man at my side, 
When we get there, I take a gander inside and there's very much a party in full swing. Booze is being quaffed, cigars are being puffed with gusto, and the food, oh my word folks, the food. I love the fact that I can time travel, but travelling centuries does build up an appetite, and all I have are dog treats, which I've never eaten, ever. Not even once, just to see what it was like. Honest. There is one person who doesn't seem to be partaking as much as the rest. A sickly looking fella, sat in a very comfortable looking armchair. However, even though he's obviously unwell, he's drinking, smoking and shoving cream cakes down his gullet so fast I'm starting to wonder if he's part pelican. This is obviously the man who will be visited by the Sin Eater, and he's trying to fit in as much sinning as he can before he has to pop off to the plush armchair in the sky. Having said that, the way he's thwapping those slices of chocolate cake down his dinner hole, it could be a death by chocolate. Someone has realised the situation and has given him a stern telling off. This would be fine if the person who's doing the telling off was wearing more than a pair of trousers on his head and only one sock. I take this moment to step back and take a seat on the bench in the garden. After a few minutes, Finn perks up and I catch something out of the corner of my eye. The sun is still shining but dusk is rapidly setting in. I see a shambling figure, feet scuffing on the dusty road, a pathetic looking vision draped in dreariness and desperation. He's dressed in a once new suit, but the newness has left down a long time ago. His shoulders are slouched and his gait is weary, but his head is held high and the look on his face is one of dignity, perhaps forced, but it is there nonetheless. He walks down the path unaware of the gazes of the wee man in my cell. As he gets closer to the front door, he can hear the sounds of the party. His face winces and he looks resigned. He pauses, only briefly though, and gets to the front door, knocks and waits. Knocks again, more loudly this time, and waits. This time it was heard and the door is open. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. By one of the party goers. Luckily not the man with one sock. He looks the senator up and down with barely disguised disgust and motions him in with a curt head movement. This was my chance. I moved quickly with Finn and we snuck into the house behind the dishevelled man. The house quickly became subdued. People looked at the human shape and disregarded clothing and suddenly seemed sheepish, like they had been caught doing something naughty. The figure took in the room and simply said, take me to him. The pallid man in the plush chair coughed in his hand to get the attention to him. I noticed that he'd gotten rid of the cigar and the booze, but I could see some cream he'd missed on his thinning beard. The figure made his way over. Taking another chair, he sat himself in front of the sickly man, and behind him was the rude man who opened the door. I believe he is the head of the household, or at least he considers himself to be the head of the household. Even though I had studied the ritual, I think I expected more. Maybe a flash of light, maybe a little bit of random fireworks, but wasn't to be. All that happened was one man handed over bread on a plate and a tankard of ale. This was passed over the head of the ill man and it was taken by the figure. He took his time eating the bread, savouring it as if it were his last meal. He washed down each bite with the ale until all was done. He then stood up, held out his hand to the poorly figure, who now seemed to have a bit more colour about them. He didn't shake his hand though, he just dropped a shiny coin onto the palm of the figure. The dishevelled man then turned, walked slowly to the door and let himself out, and Finn and I followed him very quickly. The sin eater had had his grand repost and went on his way. The extra sins already seemed to be weighing him down the way wet clothes weigh you down after you've been caught in a sudden downpour. I wanted to reach out, wanted to yell a hello, but I knew it would be futile. I wanted to know this man, to learn of his life, learn of his secrets, but obviously I could not. However, later down the line, I did find another. Me and Wee Man got back in the bike. I think we were both really tired after the excitement of the day, so I started the bike, got up to the 5 miles an hour, and... A little time has passed since my boy and I went back in time, but we have been working our woolly socks off researching. Okay, I've been working my woolly socks off. Finn snuck into a field of sheep and started to round them up. Then he barked in such a way that it sounded like, and there's plenty more where that came from, before running away again. I do love that furry wee thing, but it can be a bit cuckoo at times. On with the research news. Some more things I've found out, and I've got a big surprise for you all at the end as well. Okay, so... I discovered that another race of people also had their own version of Sin Eaters. The research led me to the Appalachian Mountains. Now the Appalachians are a fascinating group. 
it would seem that a lot of the early backcountry immigrants were actually Scots-Irish. Who could have known that these people would become known as savages with a drinking problem? The sin-eating side of things were to do with nomads who roamed the countryside in Appalachia. They would actively seek out the darkest and nastiest of sins so that they could imbue them into themselves. Can you picture the scene? Darkest of nights. The only heat that you and your family have is coming from the moonshine that you share. When, in the distance, you hear... Also found, thanks to the BBC, the name of the last Sin Eater. Turns out it was a farmer from Shropshire called Richard Munslow from the village of Rattlingshope in the United Kingdom. Richard did his sin eating back in the late 19th century, all the way up to his death in 1906. Instead of being a beggar or homeless, he was actually a well-respected farmer and did the sin eating of his own accord. At the time, the church frowned upon his actions. Not only did they frown, they tutted. They did change their tune a couple of years ago when they restored his grave to its original state and the village, along with the parish, keeps the grave in perfect condition to honour his memory. Now, I said that was the last known sin eater. However, your intrepid CK has managed to find another one. A living one. It took time, a lot of books, and a lot of travelling, but I ended up in a small village in Russia. To be blunt, I can't pronounce the name of this village without imbibing 14 litres of vodka, and at my age I simply can't do that anymore. It was a small place, but spread out over a good few square miles. A farming community, lots of arable land, and the smell of... compost in the air. And right up my nose. Oof. Anyway, it took a while to get across what I wanted, as my grasp of the Russian language is minimal, but I did get there in the end. I was worried that the villagers would be wary of my intentions, but it turns out that once they knew I was Scottish, all was well. We're quite a liked nation. They gave me an address and directions. I then jumped on my snowmobile and headed towards the home of Mr. Yuri Moscovich. Occupation? Sin Eater. I reached his place, parked up, and as I was halfway down the path, the door was already opening. Yuri himself greeted me warmly. He was very thin, with a lacklustre complexion, but with a ready smile and sparkling eyes. I introduced myself and he greeted me in English, which did surprise me, but what surprised me even more was just how good his grasp was. We settled down, Yuri had made some steaming hot tea and the warmth of the mug felt very good on my hands. After a settling in period, I turned on my tape recorder and started the interview. Okay listeners, back to the here and now. I recorded the interview with Yuri and I will play you the parts that I feel I haven't yet covered. So, if you're ready, I shall now play 
the interview. So, Yuri, thank you for meeting with me. Let me ask, how did you get into the business, as it were, of sin-eating? You're very welcome. Well, since I was a boy, I have known about the ritual of the shin-eating. Family business, you see. Father was a shin-eater, and his father was a shin-eater, and so on and so forth. That's fascinating. I have to say, I've done a lot of research on this subject, and I've normally found that sin-eaters don't have the best reputation, and can be treated a bit like lepers. However, after being here for a couple of days, you've been spoken about in very glowing terms. Can you tell me why that is? Certainly. The people of this village appreciate my situation. This is a very religious place, and being sent to heaven is the be-all and end-all. So people live good lives here, but sometimes they are in need of a... a tune-up, as it were. This is where I step in. That seems... sorry, that seems a very logical way to be. Okay, I have to ask. I can't help but notice your accent. Here we are, deep inside old school Russia. I can't help but notice that you sound like a... very bad impression of Sean Connery. Ah yes, that I can explain. We don't have a movie theatre around here. Sure, the form of entertainment that we do have is round at the home of Svetlana Shetlandia. She is the matriarch of the village, if you will. Her ancestors, two times back, came from Scotland. So, when it comes to films, it's Sean Connery or nothing. And also, she has the only real-to-real projector. And a very deep and undying love for Sean. I started watching them when I was a wee boy, and the accent has just stuck. I mean, Sean sounded like this as a Russian in Hunt for Red October, or when he played a Spaniard, of all things, in Highlander. Works for him, it works for me. The lady swoon. I guess that makes perfect sense. Things that happen when you're young can leave a strong impression. I did have a few more questions for Yuri, and his answers have covered a lot of what I've transcribed already. I may release the full interview at a later date if there's an interest for it. Contact me at mirthsandmonsterspod at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at mirthsandmonsters if you'd like to hear it all. After I wish you good health, please listen on to hear information about a blog that's being written by a remarkable woman that some of you may already be familiar with. So, my lads and lasses, as I sit here relaxing in front of a very hot fire, the chill of Russia can't be undone even by the vast warmth of the people. I want to wish you a great week. Apologies for the delay in putting this week's adventure out. Turns out it takes a lot longer to get to Russia and back when you've got to stay on your own timeline. Remember to listen on. Until next time, Slancha. Your good health. Okay. The blog I want to tell you about is called Dying Laughing by Hannah Ettinger. In the short time I've known her, she's made me laugh a great deal, and she made me aware of the blog. 
The blog, by the way, you can find at www.dyinglaughing.wordpress.com. The name of the blog comes from the fact that Hannah is living her life as a mum of three with a terminal illness. Now that is only part of the story. There is so much more. There is so much more and I feel it's a story that you'll want to hear and it's a story that you should hear. This isn't a fictional account. This is a real life. And while life can be absolutely brilliant and awesome, it can be hard. Do me a favour. Follow Hannah's story. You will learn something. It will be very honest. Some of it may be bleak. However, do not let that put you off. Because out of this bleakness, you end up with someone like Hannah. And that is all the positivity that you need. You can also reach her on Twitter at Antipag1. That's A-N-T-I-P-A-G-1. That's the number one. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. Be sure to check it out. Till next time, folks. This is CK and the Wee Man. Checking out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.